It's great to be here with you today and uh, great to be worshiping with you. We are in a series called The God of My Today. The God of My Today. We're walking through the book of Daniel and uh, we're going to be going through the first six chapters in this series, The God of My Today. Chapters one through six is sort of a storyline of Daniel in the midst of, quite frankly, high tragedy, high struggle, and yet he finds his God so present in that moment. And uh, what does it mean to look to my God in the midst of struggle? The God of my today. He is right here with me. And man, God's got it in hand. And, and uh, that's what we're walking through is looking at the character of our God and then the call to our response uh, as we look at our daily moments and we compare them back against Scripture. So just a quick throwback, making sure we know where we're at. So remember about 2,100 B.C., there's Abraham. God says to him, hey, just so you know, your family is going to be stunningly huge. Right? I'm going to make a nation out of you, like the stars of the sky. Right? That's 2100 B.C. Fast forward now, all the way to 600 B.C., 1,500 years go by, and that family has gone from a little close-knit family to a massive nation. They've gone through ups and downs. They now have their own land. They've had their own kings. There is a ton going on with them, and then the king of Babylon comes in, and that's in Daniel chapter 1, ends up taking people prisoner and taking them back over. The Judah is falling and there's some horrible things beginning to happen 600 B.C., some 1,500 years after. What, is God not going to make good on his promise to Abraham? Is this the end? And what's taking place? And Daniel's like, no, I trust in my God. And God's got a plan. And uh, that's the battle cry of Daniel chapters 1 through 6. God has a plan. Everybody just say it with me. God has a plan. And God has a plan. We may not know what it is, and we may not quite get it, but God has a plan. Today, we're looking at God who is true, and so my call is to trust. A God who is true, and so my call is to trust. And as we dive into this, um, our job is to make sure we grasp what God knows, what God grasps, what he's about. All right, make sure we understand the bigness of our God. And uh, so here we go, point number one, recognize that God is all-knowing and the revealer of all truth. Recognize that God is all-knowing and the revealer of all truth. All right, let's dive into Daniel chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 31, and so we're picking it up in the middle of a storyline here, so let's make sure we remember the quick story from last week, verses 1 through 30, right? Here's a couple of quick moments. Nebuchadnezzar, he was that king of Babylon that had come over, dominated over Judah, and ended up taking them back home prisoner. Nebuchadnezzar, in chapter 2, he's in the second year of his reign, and he had a dream, he had a dream that caused him great anxiety and unsettledness. He was not comfortable with this dream. Somehow he knew, this just wasn't what I ate. This was something else. This was something from God. This was some kind of message. I don't quite understand it, but this is a message I need to hear. What is it? And so he calls in all of his wise men, his counselors, who uh, quite frankly really did not have their act together in a lot of ways. And uh, the way they got their information was tapping into demonic forces. They were called magicians and enchanters and all the rest. And, and he tapped in with them, and they're like, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, um, yeah, here's another plan. 
Uh, you tell me the dream, and then you tell me what it means. Uh, to which they were horrified and aghast. That's impossible. And uh, so here's another plan. You, you tell us what you dreamed, and then we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, okay, here's another plan. Either you tell me the dream, or I kill you. Now. Right now. Bring it. And they're horrified. They whine like crazy. Daniel ends up catching wind of it because his life is now at stake. Daniel was considered one of the counselors that wise, that fast. He was taken captive, brought over, and all of a sudden, one year in, he is considered one of the wise counsel to the king. And Daniel catches wind that his life is in danger, and so he says, hang on, let's set this up with the king. He gets together with the king and says, hey, I need an appointment with you. I want to talk to you about this dream and this interpretation. Uh, I'll have it for you. He goes back, gets some friends. They start praying, right? And as the four of them are praying that night, God brings not only the dream, but also the interpretation. God answers prayer. And Daniel comes in and hears his statement. I have your answer. Not because of me but because of how great my God is. Man, always give credit where credit is due. And all of God's people said, Amen. and that is Daniel 2, verses 1 to 30. Now we're picking it up in verse 31. Remember, we're watching for his all-knowing nature. Daniel's talking to the king right now. He's in his presence, and he's talking to him about the dream. He says, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty, and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. Okay, can you imagine if you're the king? For days now, you've been wrestling with what is this dream and what does it mean? What is going on? And everybody's like, we can't tell you. We don't know. You're going to have to tell us, right? Daniel walks in, and he's like, all right, here's your dream. You dreamed of this giant image. Can you imagine that one moment now where the king is like, more? Tell me more. That's getting close, but then again, maybe lots of dreams have images in them. And this image, it was mighty and of exceeding brightness that stood before you. Its appearance was frightening. He's like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. What does it mean? What's going on? Daniel's like, hang on. I got more detail to this dream first, right? And uh, so this being, this statue that was made massive in size, frightening, it was bright as all get out, it was super huge, and somehow he had this sense of ominous to it. Have you ever had one of those dreams? Where quite frankly, the thing itself, you're not even sure what about it is so intimidating, but something in the dream just has this feel about it. And uh, that's what he's got going on here. There's a massiveness to the image. There's a brightness to the image. There's an ominousness in the midst of this dream. It says, Daniel tells him more. All right, here's the image. The head of the image was fine gold. And uh, its chest and arms were of silver. Silver, a little less important than gold in their culture. And so gold for the head, silver, uh, a little less on the value scale but uh, still very bright and shiny. And uh, the head of fine gold, chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs were bronze, still a little less in value of metals. And uh, its legs were of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And um, so he's seeing a statue and it's made of different components, gold and silver and bronze, iron. 
and iron mixed with clay, right, as he goes down through it. And it says, and as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. And uh, everybody say, that means by God, God. right? And, And so this is by God himself. This is divine moment, not man, but God invested in. And it says, then a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. And um, can you get that image in your head? So we have this image of gold and silver and bronze and iron and iron clay and a stone that's coming at the feet. And, and for those of you who have the hard time visualizing, we got an image that we put together a little bit. So let's throw that up here, right? And so a little less ominous when it's small and on a screen, right? Imagine this thing being massive in height and so bright that it's just pouring on in front of you. And you can see the gold and the silver and the bronze and the iron legs and then the iron clay mix. And there's a stone coming down to hit the feet. And this would be something like the image that he saw. And uh, in that moment, he had a sense that this was telling him something. And... uh, Note the stone here. Let's just keep going. It says, the stone, no human hand. It struck the image on the feet of iron and clay, and it broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. The stone smashes the feet, The whole rest of it crumbles, collapses into tiny pieces, wind blows it away, nothing remains at all. You getting the picture? So this huge, ominous image, crushed by the stone, blown away into pieces, nothing exists of it anymore. And then it says, but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. And now all of a sudden that stone that struck the foot, all of a sudden it starts growing into this huge mountain and the whole earth is filled with what came from the stone. Okay? And uh, hang on, because the interpretation of this dream is stunning. Right? And we're going to look at it in point number two here. But this is point number one. What is the dream? Remember the king said two things. I want the dream and the interpretation. So Daniel goes into this. This is pretty good detail, right? It's not like, okay, I think you had a dream. It was kind of scary. He's like, duh, I lost my sleep for days on end, right? It's not that kind of vague information. He's going into absolute detail, and the king is locked in. This is exactly what I was dreaming There wasn't one piece that was missed in the story that I saw. Have you ever had a dream that you actually remembered all of it? You remember those? Every once in a while, right, we have something that sticks with us for whatever reason. This was one of those dreams where the entire storyline stuck with him and he remembered all of it. 
And uh, so we have a head of gold, we have a chest of silver, we have the bronze midsection, we have the iron legs, we have the iron and clay feet. A stone comes tumbling in, cracks on the feet, blows this whole thing up into pieces. It all gets blown away by the wind. None of this exists anymore. And the stone grows into a giant mountain that fills the earth. Do we have the story? We get it? Make sure we got it. Make sure you're not just sitting here letting all this wash past, and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't remember anything. Right? There were some pieces, gold and silver and bronze and iron and the iron and clay. The stone crashes down and everything gets blown up into pieces and blows away. And the stone grows into a mountain that fills the earth. All right? God revealed the dream. God knew exactly what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed because God gave him that dream. And now God gave that dream to Daniel. And can you imagine that moment when Daniel's telling the dream and the king is listening and he's like, yes, that's exactly it. What thought does the king now have about Daniel and his connection to something bigger than him, right? In that moment, he's like, I can't believe that you could reveal this. And uh, man, these are huge moments when we get the chance for God to reveal into our lives something we need to hear. And uh, these can be life-altering moments. I know last week we were uh, finishing Daniel 2, 1 through 30, walking through it, and afterwards we had somebody who was visiting with us, and uh, they were trying to make a decision on what church to attend in the area, and uh, they stopped in on that week, and uh, she came up in tears and uh, was just being real with where she was at and sharing. She's like, I'm telling you, I've been wrestling with some things in my life for weeks on end. And there's some decisions I have to make and some things I have to go after. And I'm scared to death and I'm not sure which way to go. And it's like every sentence being said today was exactly what I needed to hear. And uh, man, that's God at work. He prepares our souls. He knows what we're going to be walking through, and he starts shaping our lives so that as we walk in on a Sunday morning, we're prepped and ready to be able to hear from our God what he has to say. And as things are being said that are just straight out from the scripture, God's Holy Spirit with you going, dude, that's what I was talking about all week long right there, right? And God revealing in a moment, man, we hear this all the time. It's like you were sitting in the room with me. That'd be creepy, wouldn't it? And it's like you were sitting in the room with me and you knew what was going on. And no, that's not what was happening. Your God knows exactly what's going on. And he knows exactly what's coming on this Sunday and what's going to be presented. And he starts moving in your life in a way that shapes you so that you can start to be prepared to hear from your king. And all of God's people said... And we serve a revealing God. He knows all things. How much does he know? There is nothing he is challenged by. He knows everything. And your God revealing out to you, and maybe in a small way in comparison to what Daniel had revealed here, but your God working with you. Come expectantly to this place. Our God is moving amongst us. Holy Spirit sharing in huge ways. And as we get real with his word, God reveals to us. And all of God's people said, 
Man, we serve a revealing God in huge ways. Hey, simple question. Um, he knows everything. Are you counting on him? Are you putting your dependence on the King of kings and Lord of lords who knows all things? God, please reveal to me. Lord, show me what I need to know. I trust him and lean on him and watch God move. All right? That's point number one. Point number two. Recognize that he is all-powerful and in charge of even kings and nations. He is all-powerful and in charge of, yes, even kings and nations. First, he was challenged to give the dream. Daniel's done that. Now, it's time for the interpretation. Daniel starts out here. He says, this was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. By the way, I love that word. Now we will tell the king. Daniel is not taking sole credit. He's like, just so you know, I put my neck on the line, boys. So I'm saying the word I. Yeah, everybody say that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He's like, we, man, there were prayers involved here. We, man, Ariok, he brought me in here. He put his neck on the line, and there is team. And we together have brought this, and God Almighty is the one providing into it. And so we bring this to you, King. And uh, humility goes a long, long, long way. Make sure you're not stealing credit as you live your life daily. Give credit where credit is due. Okay? And uh, this was the dream. Now we will tell you the king's, tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. All right? And so this is a huge, everybody say this is a big deal. And so he's like, hey, remember this giant image, this statue that was so stunning and so scary at some levels, and that head of gold represents you. And uh, so for those of you who are note takers and you notice we've got a little extra in the notes, just hang on. We're going to fill those blanks in together, all right? So if you want to use the front page to do a little bit of note taking right now, that's great. We'll get to that table thing in just a second, all right? So for all you type A's, you can relax. <laughs> We're going to fill it in, all right? Okay. Hilarious. I've lost my place completely. Where are we? All right. Um, you are the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. Just so you understand, you are the king of kings. You are great beyond all measure. And just so you know, we don't really understand all the depths of the greatness of this nation of Babylon, but there must have been some seriously stunning good things about Babylon. And some awesomeness going on in perfection that was taking place and methods that were taking place. We know the value they had in learning and in skill set and in training. And there was a ton going on. And he was in charge of a massive region. You, the head of gold, you're represented by the top of that image. Okay. It says, 
Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after. Just imagine you're the king. There'll be another kingdom. It'll be inferior to you. Of course it will. Right? And he's getting this statement of he's the head of gold, the silver below, and so silver a little less than gold. And so, yeah, it's going to be an inferior kingdom. It shall arise after. And then yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. There will be this domination in the world going on by these kingdoms. And then it says, and then there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. Iron, it's no longer about precious metal. Now it's about tough, hard, firm. And uh, quite frankly, when you start talking about kingdoms and kings, mean and vicious and forceful and iron, this is a tough, tough kingdom. And so there's the Babylon, the Nebuchadnezzar kingdom, the head of gold, and then there's the silver and then there's the bronze, and then there's the iron, the fourth kingdom, and it's going to be a rough, harsh, firm, strong, breaking kingdom, okay? And uh, it says, there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and the iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. And, you, and as you saw, the feet of the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, and so now we have this iron and clay. It's going to be a divided kingdom. Are you hearing the detail that God is revealing about the coming nations after Nebuchadnezzar? There's going to be a kingdom. It's going to be a little less than yours. And then one a little less than that. And then there's going to be one that is brutally strong. And all of these are going to be destroyed underneath it. And it's going to sit in domination. But then it's going to be a divided kingdom in the end. There's going to be some level of mixing and clay that goes into it. And uh, a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Getting it? And so the feet and the toes represent divided kingdom. Everybody say divided. Okay, so the fourth kingdom is going to be a divided kingdom. And it's going to have brittleness to it. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. Part of the weakness is going to be the intermarrying amongst that nation with other nations. It's going to lose its ethnic purity. And it's going to become a giant mix. Okay? And just know that that's going on. So now we have this brittleness, this mixing with others. They will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. In the days of those kings, what kings? Well, we're talking about the brittleness and the intermarrying and the clay. And the, so it's probably the, you're looking at the toes there, the 10 kings there. And there's some level of leadership that's going to come in the midst of that intermarrying. And uh, this huge import to this dream. It says, and in the days of those kings, the kingdom of heaven will be set up. And uh, everybody say, that's the stone. The stone coming in and the point of it, right? And a kingdom will be set up that shall never be destroyed, nor shall that kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and break them to an end. There will be no more of this human kingdom reign. And uh, it will be done. 
and it shall stand forever, this kingdom from God, just as you saw that the stone cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, and the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king all that is after this. And uh, man, we better get this clear. God knows exactly what's coming, and as he's talking with Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, just so you know, there's going to be a lot that comes after, and I know all of it, and I'm in charge of all of it. And so let's just do this. Let's turn to the next page. Let's look at this chart for a moment, and let's do some filling in, all right? And so here's the first chart that we're going to throw up. So just fill these in here, okay? Make sure you get some of these written down. We've got the gold on the top. That's Babylon, right? We were already told. He's like, that's you, king. Gold on top. And then silver, that's the second kingdom, right? And bronze is the third kingdom. And iron's the fourth kingdom, right? And then the iron and clay is the divided fourth kingdom. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, and then iron and clay. Okay. Make sure you're getting that written in. You guys are still writing, so I'm just hanging on. And then the stone at the bottom where it says it was not cut by any human hand. Divine. That is by God Almighty. And so this is what it looks like to see the dream. Right? What you've just written down is the dream. But what's the interpretation? Now we jump to the next side. And we know that Babylon is up there. He's like, hey, just so you know, you're the gold. Right? And so Babylon. And we know that. And the history books tell us the dates are there. 605 to 539 in there. Okay? So just write that down. All right? And that we were told. So this is the given. What about the rest? Well, he tells us the second one is the next kingdom. And so let's just say, here's the possible meaning. The second kingdom, the kingdom that came after Babylon. Let's throw that up. The one that came after was Media and Persia. And in fact, in the book of Daniel, you see this happen. You see Cyrus come into control. That's the king of Persia. So the Persian kingdom starts taking over. We actually see it happening some 50 to 75 years after this dream occurs. The next kingdom starts rolling in. God has a plan. Persia starts rolling in. And so we get it about 539, and that goes down to 331, all right? And, and so that's the media Persian kingdom. What does that mean? I, look, I'm not a history buff. If those of you who love history, that's great. Just so you know, there's two nations, media and Persia, that came together. And those two nations kind of work together as one kingdom, all right? And Media and Persia, they work together for those couple hundred years. It's a big deal, and we'll see it come up in a huge way coming up in like Daniel chapter 8 as he talks about the two kings of that kingdom, all right? Media and Persia. The third one, the one that comes after that, let's throw that up. That's Greece, Alexander the Great, those kinds of words. That's 331 down to 168 B.C., Check this now. Nebuchadnezzar's getting this dream in like 600, 605 BC. And he's being told about things that are going to be happening 
down in 300 BC. 300 years later. That's like, hey, I had a dream yesterday. You know what's going to happen in America in 2350? Right? It's that kind of detail hundreds of years out. God knows it all. And he's got it all in hand. And, uh, and then the next one. Rome. 168 BC. And then it goes all the way to 330 AD, this 400-year stretch, 168 to 330, right? And so these are some uh, probables for what the kingdoms are, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, and then let's go to the next one after it, the iron and clay. This is some future alliances, if you want to call it this way, a future Rome, if you want to talk about it that way. The bottom line is, at some point, there's going to be all this intermarrying of nations, does that sound familiar? And less ethnicity and more about intermingling and a brittleness to the nations that stand and the leadership that comes in it. There's at some point going to be some representation by the feet and the toes, We're probably ending up with 10 kings ruling at the same time, right? We get these 10 kings ruling in a brittle environment and a leadership taking over, some kind of future alliance. And what does that look like? We're not sure. That would be a good probable for what this could be, is some future thing still to come. When Daniel was walking through this dream with Nebuchadnezzar, it's like, here's what's happening with you, and in the next 50 years, and over the next thousands of years, here's what God's going to be doing with the kingdoms of man. And uh, does God know what he's doing? And all of God's people said, man, and then the last one here is Jesus Christ, and he is going to destroy all of it at the second coming of Christ. Revelation 19, it says that the kings and all of their warriors mount up against and Christ comes in riding on a white horse. He is the king of kings and lord of lords and he puts everything in its place. It says every single warrior against him destroyed, all kingdoms done like chaff blowing to the wind. Sound familiar? And so this is it, man. This is the second coming of Christ and the massive domination of Christ, not just in the hearts of man, but a physical kingdom. There will be no more human rule, God Almighty over it. Amen. Man, may we grasp this. God has a plan. Everybody just say it with me. God has a plan. Now I'm just going to tell you, that's a lot of chart and that's a lot of information, right? Grasp this out of it. God's already knowing what he's doing and he knows where he's headed and he's taking this thing to an end. And he will take mankind and step us down as being in charge and Christ will rule for eternity. And after Christ comes, all of those who are Christ followers filling this earth, the new heavens and the new earth for all of eternity, Christ in charge over all and God Almighty has it in hand. That's what we're seeing here. Now, I will tell you this. There are some that say, I think the stone is Christ coming the first time. The first time. And the reason they say that is he went to the cross, he died, and he rose. He conquered death. He conquered sin. There was a massive victory that took place, right? This huge victory. Here's the issue that I've got with that. It says that he will crush the statue and it will be blown away like chaff in the wind and nothing remains. But Christ came in 30 AD 
And uh, Rome, as it stood, was around till 476 A.D. in the West and 1400 in the East, and it's still ongoing with man and rulers, and it did not put an end to all human rule. And, and so I really believe this is second coming talk, not first coming talk, okay? Just being real with you and being clear with you. Some are going to say first. I just want you to understand why I say second, because it puts an end to all human kingdom. And all of God's people said, Jesus Christ. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is ruler over all. And God knows exactly what he is doing and where he is going. God has a plan. Okay? Now, with that said, um, a couple of things I want to make sure we note here. The stone fills the earth with a mountain of followers of him. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Get ready, because the human kingdoms are going to be done, and the King of kings and Lord of lords is going to reign supreme as this earth is filled with all followers of him. Put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where he's headed. And God has a plan. Why was Nebuchadnezzar so upset with this? Because God was pressing in on him this one statement. I'm sharing with you what I will do for the rest of history. I'm showing you where I will head and how I will dominate. And I will rule you who is little K, king of kings, I am capital K, king of kings. I am over it all. And you, you need to be worshiping me. He was bringing a clarity to Nebuchadnezzar about God's greatness. And uh, man, we better grasp in the midst of this dream, the head of gold and the chest of silver and the mid of bronze and the legs of iron and the iron and clay feet and the stone crashing in and everything being blown away. And then the stone filling the earth with a mountain. His God had a plan. And he's moving from Babylon to Media, Persia, to Greece, through Rome, into the divided kingdom of Rome. Which, by the way, divided in 330. They split west and east. And then from there, it just continued to split out into the variety of countries we now have today. And there's probably going to be a unifying force that comes in of 10 kings. And we see that 10 number come up again in Daniel 7 with 10 horns. And God has a plan. And there will be a unifying. And I'm telling you, the statement of world peace <laughs> brings something very different to mind when you're reading Daniel. It is a rally cry for one last attempt at man to deliver peace with 10 kings in some kind of brittle alliance. And then God brings his hand to bear as Jesus Christ returns in the second coming and the king of kings and lord of lords mounting his white horse. Here's what I love about it. And as he mounts his white horse, he's like, all right, y'all get on your white horses too. And we get to ride horses, whatever that means, dude. We're on, we're coming with, we're seeing it, and we have no weapon. The one weapon is the word from the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, the only weapon used. He speaks this place into existence, and he will speak this place to a finish. Jesus Christ 
has it in hand. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Amen. Man, we better grasp that. And it's easy when we're looking at a dream to get all into the little details and the nitpickies. And, and so let's talk about that for a sec. Uh, this past summer, my daughter was at home here, Megan. She uh, uh, ended up deciding she wanted to get into photography a little more aggressively. And so she was going out to buy a really nice camera and some lenses and actually talked to a couple of you that are in this body. Appreciate your help. And, and as she began to look into that and try to figure some things out there, we started learning a lot about cameras and technology and lenses and how all that works and quite frankly how expensive all that is <laughs> and uh, she ended up buying a really nice camera set to be able to start doing some photography and and uh, taking some classes there at school uh, in graphic design and in the midst of it I ran across this uh, summary that said really choose your lens wisely because backgrounds make or break your images backgrounds make or break the image and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I started reading some more. And it's like, just so you know, the background can utterly ruin the picture. Because there's a main point to the picture. And what's going on in the background can distract so much or wreck the eye so much on it that you stop seeing the main point. In fact, they said, here are three things the background needs to be. It needs to be a complement, not a competing. It needs to complement, not compete. Number two, it needs to unify, whether it's in color or lighting or whatever. It needs to unify. It needs to complement, not compete. It needs to unify. And number three is it needs to enhance without stealing any focus. That's a good background. And if you get these big, bright backgrounds that splash and wash out, all of a sudden the main front image that you were going after starts to become not the thing your eye looks at and, and all the contrast it can draw your eye away from it and and make sure you know what the main point of your picture is and make sure you go after that. Okay, just so you understand, God is painting a painting across the tapestry of scripture and the tapestry of history. And I want you to hear me. The main image to be grasped is God himself. The main image to be grasped is God in all of his glory with all that he knows, with all that he can do, with all that he says, with all that he is, God is the main image. Everything else, backdrop. Don't let it compete. Man, it better be unifying, and it better enhance. And at best, you take a look at the backdrop just going, oh, huh, that's interesting. Look at how much more it shows off my God. That's how we need to look at Scripture. Every time you open up a passage, you say, Lord, let me see you full against the backdrop of whatever's going on. Lord, I cannot wait to see you in this passage. Your God is the big deal. Make sure you're looking for him. Okay? That is it. And so as we look at the end of Daniel 2 here, and we're looking at a dream and an interpretation, you could walk away with all of these details on dates and numbers and years and names and potentials and theological impacts. And, and just so you know, you're missing the point if you take too much time in the backdrop and you move away from your God, okay? Make sure you see your king, the one who knows all, 
He can do all. And he is the great revealer of truth. And that's what we need to hang on. At the end of Daniel 2, we should have one phrase. Man, God can tell us anything we need to know. And he's in charge. So simple question for you. Is your main focus God and all that he knows? Or are you focusing on all the details of this world and getting caught up in the backdrop? Do not lose sight of your king who knows it all and has it all in hand across not just one year or five or ten, but hundreds and thousands of years. God knows exactly where he's headed and he's walking us through the paces. So as you wrestle with what you're going to do about voting coming up here in the next couple weeks, know this, God's in charge. And he knows exactly what's going on, and he's got a plan, and we trust in him. Man, I love that we are in a, a republic where we can vote and we have representation and all of that. Take advantage of that, but please be careful. Do not make this a time to focus on the backdrop. Make this a time to focus on your king. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. All right, enough said. Point number three, see that God gets all the praise. See that God gets all the praise. We start out here uh, at the end. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. All right. Everybody just say that's a bad plan. Did Daniel not just get done saying, we and my God, and then he bows to Daniel? Can you imagine that moment? The king of the greatest country known, gold for the head, bowing to you. Wouldn't that be a moment where you're like, that's right, dude. You better be on, right? I mean, be so careful of what could happen to your pride in the midst. I love what it says next. The king is starting to get it. He didn't get it yet, and we'll see that in the next chapter or two, but he's starting to get it. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. And all he should have changed instead of the word you was, for God revealed this mystery through you. Allow yourself to be the tool, not the source, okay? And be careful with that. King gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Ruler over the whole province. He's like number two in charge. Does this sound familiar? It's like the story of Joseph, right? He takes a guy and he raises him all the way up to number two. And he does huge things through him. Just so you know, God loves the number two position. He does a lot with number two position. And I love to see what God does in the world as he uses that number two man. And he put him in charge of the province and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Now he's in charge of all the wise men. Daniel made a request of the king. He asked that a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And Daniel remained in the king's court. And I just want to close with this. We're just going to take a second. Check this out. You ready? 
Daniel was placed over the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers. He's now number one over them, okay? The ones that would be called wise men. They're walking into the kingdom and they're talking to the king and telling him what to do. And Daniel's in charge of these wise men. And just so you know, Daniel was now writing down his book in Daniel 1 through 12, getting recorded out and all the details of what God is sharing with Daniel through the visions of Nebuchadnezzar and the visions to Daniel, massive history being collected and God's revealing to Daniel and now Daniel's teaching it down into these wise men. Check this out now. Ready? Here we go. And then 600 years later, Christ is born. And along the way, these men called wise men are processing and watching and they're like, check this out. There's a king coming. Daniel chapter 9. There's someone going to be called the Messiah and he will reign forever. And it's going to happen in 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, 3 years, one year, now, it should be now, and astrologer, there's a star up there, look at that star, we need to go there, man, that's where that king is at, and Daniel, in 600 BC, most likely setting up the wise men that are going to show up in the early gospels, coming to see who Christ is, and it says they have come, ready, to worship him. Did Daniel have an impact? Does God have a plan? Hear me, man. God knows exactly what he's doing with the nations. God moving amongst men and accomplishing his will. Not just in a moment, but over years and centuries and thousands of years, God knows exactly what he's doing. And hear me, the stone that crushes Men ruling is coming, and his name is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Daniel chapter 2. If we don't get a big, big pump on Christ, we missed it. This is all about him. May he be glorified. Let's pray.